0: I want to start with a question. Uh, <clears throat> let's just think for a moment. Um, if you could think of, I don't know, uh, something in God's creation, anything um, that God has created, of course, we know He's created all things, but just think of something that you think displays His glory the most. The most. Uh, when you see this you think wow that this displays God's glory Um, this shows how great God is is it a bubbling brook this could also be a piano but uh, or is it music yeah Um, is it a mountain or a mountain range is it the sky, when, you know, when it's, the sun's going down or when it's coming up. I mean, is that, are these things that we think, man, this displays God's glory the most. When I see photographs of outer space and I see how vast the universe is or how large the planets are, the stars, and when I, when I think about how far away they are, is this what makes you think, man, god is great that this displays god's glory the most going to get back to that later i just wanted you to think about that had to teach i'm a middle school art teacher i had to teach my kids what a rhetorical question was usually have to teach kids that because if you ask a question out loud they answer it right not usually the, the, with the right answer, but they do it right away. So that was a rhetorical question. I want us to kind of chew on that for a while, and then we'll come back to it. Um, now, we just got through with the book of Ruth. Uh, Luke closed it up last week. Uh, we went, it was really uh, beautiful, uh, the last two especially. And when we load them up on the Internet, uh, I'd really like you to hear it if you didn't. Um, Luke did such a good job of, of showing us where the gospel is uh, in Ruth. And it really is all about Jesus it's a beautiful book um, and now we've got a couple of weeks where uh, we're going to talk about some things that are very uh, timely for us as a church but that's okay if you're new or visiting it's still going to be timely for you and you'll see what I mean um, but we're also going to get back into Galatians or we're going to jump into Galatians for the first time actually as a church in a couple of weeks um, so what I'm going to be talking about today is stewarding your talents. Um, now, uh, could, could you go ahead and put that... Uh, I'm going old school here. Luke is really the whiz on graphics, and so he does the Prezi so that it, like, turns and it's... You know, it's awesome. This is what I do, so... All right. Um, okay. When I went into art school, um, I took a printmaking class. I had never uh, taken a printmaking class before. I'd been in high school art uh, only once. It was kind of weird as a person who loves art. It's weird how I didn't take it much in in high school. I I, I took like one or two classes and that's it. And I never got to do prints. Prints are, you know, where you, um, instead of drawing something out or painting it, you create some kind of block or plate. And then you apply ink and you press the paper on. There are all different ways to do it. And when you pull the paper off, you've got your print. Okay, So so it's like you would think a print is. That's what it is, called printmaking. And this was my very first block, linoleum block print. And uh, I'll never forget the teacher, uh, art instructor. Uh, Now, he would get really upset if you called him an art professor. I don't know why. You'd think that would be a a compliment, but it's kind of different in the art world. So he's not really a professor. But he was my art instructor. And he he had he had the biggest plastic glasses, um, plastic frame square glasses. I want you to imagine this. Um, they were larger than his than wider than his face. So I think maybe so that no matter where he looked, like there was no place he was going to look where he wasn't inside his glasses. They were really thick, so they made his eyes look bigger. So if you ever took him off to rub his eyes, it was like, well, your eyes are a lot smaller than I thought they were. He put him back on. There we go. He had kind of curly, graying hair, uh, kind of wavy, a little longer than normally a man of that age typically wears. I mean, we, there are exceptions, but his is kind of long, sort of that. Uh, it's sort of like he was going grunge, but in, and that's if, if you're young, that's an old 90s term. But anyway, and it's kind of in cool shoulder length, but he's an older man, you know. And and he was kind of a big man, but also skinny at the same time, just in different places. It just depended on where, where you were looking at the time. And he faithfully tucked his shirt in. There's nothing wrong with shirt tuckers, I'm just saying. The man tucked his shirt in. And it, it, I don't know how he did it. He did it in such a way so that I felt like if if he hadn't tucked his shirt in, he might, it might not hold him together. I don't know. He's a... Anyway, so he had his shirt on, and he had, uh, he always had like, you know, multiple pins in his pocket and everything. Um, and he wore jeans and everything, casual, you know, he's an art teacher, so he's got his sleeves rolled up. And, and this guy, um, his, he was always, if you've ever known anyone who's like this, he's always um, alert. Like his eyebrows were always raised at all times, you know. Like there was never a time when his eyebrows were relaxed. So I don't know if they were naturally that way or if he was always... And, and he, he would be that guy that if his glasses were small enough, he would look over them. You know? But they were way too big for that. So he was just like that. And he just loved printmaking. He really inspired me to want to, you know, to learn this craft. I really wasn't that interested in, in printmaking. I, I like to draw. I like to paint. But he really inspired me. And so he gave us this assignment. And he said, I want you to put an animal in an environment that you wouldn't normally find an animal. So we have Fox in a Chair. That's what I call it. It's an inspired title, isn't it? And he liked my idea, which I liked. I thought that was pretty neat that my teacher liked my idea that I chose a fox and put it, put it in there. Now, this is a linoleum block print. So what you do is you get like a block. It's a piece of wood with a piece of linoleum glued to it. You get these extremely sharp tools, kind of like a uh, maybe a, a screwdriver, if you can imagine it, sharpened and then rolled, so that when you carved, it would carve out a thick line, and then or then there were some that were uh, sharper, it would carve out a thin line, and some that were fatter. And you, you would set this block up against something sturdy, a, a wood frame, and you would carve the linoleum out into um, the image that you wanted. But what you would have to do, though, is you would have to make the print step at a time. So you would carve some, make a print with one color. Then you would carve some more, choose another color, and print. And then carve some more, and then do the same. And what this would do, it, it, was, it would allow you to use three or four colors on top of each other. So the first color... Was orange. Everything was orange, so you really couldn't see the fox. Um, it was just an orange background. And Of course, then you carve out the red, and so you do this in layers, and it takes it takes a lot of time. And I know this looks very primitive. Uh, oh, it took me hours, man. I worked. There's a lot of sweat, blood, and tears in that. Literally blood, because it's dangerous. So there might even be some blood in that. Um, but. Anyway, I never got into printmaking much. But when I was preparing for this sermon, I could not help but think of a fox in a chair. I said, Kevin, why are you thinking of a fox in a chair? Well, let's think for a moment. Uh, when you're talking about stewarding your talents, okay, when you hear a guy get up on, in church and talk about stewarding your talents, what does that conversation, what emotions come up when you think about that? Guilt um, Guilt sometimes. I said, well, I'm not using, you know, I have a talent I'm not using it. I feel guilty. Or I have a, 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 an ability. I'm not doing anything with. Um, sometimes it's just confusion. Like, I don't know what you mean. Uh, you know, or I don't know what I should be doing. What should I be doing? I don't even know if I have a talent. I've actually had people say to me, I have no talents. <laughs> I actually hear that a lot. insecurity, um, I mean, comparing yourself to others, because you're always going to have this, the, the multi-talented person, right? Because the way our culture defines talent, we're going to have these people that have the more glamorous talents. I'm a musician. I am a, an actor. I am an artist. I am a this or that. I have talents. You don't. Or, look, they have talents. I don't. I have no talents. And, and this causes insecurity. I have nothing to contribute. Um, it causes fear. If I don't use my talents, I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be. Um, God's going to be mad at me. I mean, after all, what about you know Matthew twenty-five? You know, there's that that one talent guy buried it in the ground. Remember that? He kind of got in trouble over that in that parable, right? Well, whatever the motivation, I mean, you still have this overwhelming feeling, though, that you should do uh, something that you can do. I mean, something you're able to do. You can contribute something that you can contribute. I mean, people feel this way, uh, just naturally. I mean, Christians, uh, we have this feeling because we know, we've heard the, we've heard the parable uh, uh, about the, the talents, you know, that Jesus tells in Matthew 25. You know, he had the five talent, the The two talent, the one talent, and um, and so we know this, and so we feel like, yeah, we should be using our talents. I mean, this is something you should do. Now we might be somewhere along the path. Well, uh, I haven't figured out what they are yet, or or I know what they are, but I haven't figured out, you know, what, uh, you know, I don't have a church right now, so I don't, you know, I can't use my talents, or or I don't have a place. They have too many of this, and they don't have room for me. But we're still thinking. I should do this,, okay? and then there are those you know people, people who aren 't even Christians, just the world, our culture, whether you 're a Christian or not, we still have this idea. you should do something with your talent. I mean, think about uh, the TV shows that we have uh, that are all built around talent, you know with dancing and and you know uh, singing, like, you know, American Idol. I mean, be, think about it. what is What is the thing the judges will say when they, when they see someone that obviously has a talent to sing is they'll say, you should be, you know, singing. And it's like, if you have this great talent and you don't use it, it's pretty much frowned upon in our culture just at large. I mean, by, by anyone, whether you're a Christian or not, if you're, if you're sitting on it. And, and people kind of get, get ticked off about that. Um, they even make movies about it, you know, like Goodwill Hunting. You know, the kid was real smart. And we didn't, you know, when you're in the audience, you don't want to see him waste that, that mental capacity, just doing the, the mundane, like sweeping floors, which is what he was doing. So, uh, I mean, and, and, and I remember encountering that with that professor, or whoops, that instructor I just told you about. Because he pulled me in his office. And of course, listen, a college instructor's office, that's his chance to show you everything about who he is. So you go in there and you're like, whoa, it's like another world. He's got all these pictures on the wall and, 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 you know, little artifacts from this place and that place. You know, it's like, man, if he ever moves out, they're going to have to fumigate this place. You know, I had this one professor that used to smoke in his office, even though they had said you cannot smoke it was always, there was smoke coming out from under the door. You know, he would, he had a pipe and he would swivel his chair around and, and rebelliously and boldly puff, come in, you know, or, or he would just say, come. you know, because he's a professor. So, um, I love professors. There might be one in here. And so I love you. Um, because you helped me get through college. Um, but but I went in his office and he was giving me his grade and uh, the grade he gave me and I remember him trying to talk me out of being a teacher I'm a middle school art teacher in public school so he said I shouldn't do that um, not because he didn't think I could teach it's just he didn't want he felt like that was wasting my talent he didn't want me to waste it on that he wanted me to make something of it and, and in his eyes make something you know, that was worthwhile and, um, and then somebody was talking me out of it Because he had that view that it should be used. And so where does this feeling come from? Where do we get this feeling that we should use our talents? I mean, uh, why do we all feel this way? Why is it built in? I mean, um, the believer and the unbeliever alike. I mean, to answer this question, uh, we have to do what we've been doing. We did it in a Ruth, and we've been doing it. uh, We do this any time that we really need to understand the gospel in the sense of the big story and why we were in the shape we're in and why we needed rescue, we have to go to Genesis. That's really what we have to do. So that's what we're going to do. Let's go to Genesis uh, one twenty-seven. If you go ahead and put that up uh, for me. I'm going to read that. Um, then God said, Let us make man in our image And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. There's been a lot of confusion uh, over uh, this idea of talents um, and negative emotions uh, attached to this idea of talents. A lot of it comes from a misunderstanding of, of of Jesus' teaching about it in Matthew 25. And we're not going to Matthew, because of that, we're not going to Matthew 25 today. And I'm not teaching you about stewarding your talents out of that passage today. Because I feel like that the misunderstanding starts with this, with Genesis. With Genesis 1, 26 through 28, what we just read. That's where the problem starts, and that's why we misunderstand Jesus teaching about the talents in uh, Matthew 25, and we get all this confusion, fear, uh, we, and, and we, don't, we really don't know what to do, and we end up feeling a lot like that fox standing in a chair, because how do you think the fox feels standing in a chair? Well, a lot of you have dogs, you know? You ever seen a dog in a weird, awkward place that you know they don't, they feel like they don't belong? They probably don't feel that comfortable standing in a chair. Or like a cat, they don't feel comfortable in the bathtub, do they? And sometimes like if you try to get your dog and put it in the car to take it somewhere, they don't just sit down and you know usually they might, I don't know. But usually they're like running around just trying to do what dogs do. So they're in the, they're, they're kind of in a bad place. And, and you can imagine a wild animal like a fox just trying to be, you know, tamed by a wooden chair. I actually feel like that fox when I'm in a chair a lot, too. Um, it's because I, I like to stand up instead of sit down, but that's not the point. Um, so because of that confusion, we end up just feeling that way. And we kind of just get stuck there, and we kind of just hope it will go away and forget about it. So let's talk about why that happened. I mean, uh, when I was carving the, the linoleum block print, and I when I was doing that, I was having to think ahead. Um, you know, I told you how you ha- how you put the ink on, and then you have to carve a little more, and then you have to put some more ink on, and then you have to carve a little more, and then you have to put some ink on. Um, God says that He created man in his image he created the male and female that word image it means a an engraving a cut a, it's a you know you've been carved you've been cut into an image of something now a lot of times it is difficult for us to think about god having worked when he created us but the bible clearly says that on the seventh day he rested from his work because here's what we typically do in our culture. We think we go to work, and then when we get off work, then we can create because then we can be creative. Creativity and work don't go together. And I'm not saying you may feel that way, and it may actually be sort of true in your life, but originally, work and creativity were done simultaneously. God does it because he works for six days creating one of the things he created was man. he created them male and female, and he carved them and his if we put if I put thought, believe me it, when I was a freshman in high school for me to i mean <laughs> college for me to put thought into something man, I was going to be tired of that I was going to sleep well that night, you know I had to think so If I'm doing that, if I'm thinking and putting forth thought and planning, how much more is the creator of the universe doing that and how much more then is it still work? So we are that block print. Now we don't image a fox in a chair. We might feel like one, but that's not who we image. We image the creator. That's who God says we're like. So we're carved, cut to look like God. The triune God. Because you say, well, what what does God look like? Does he have a long, flowing beard? I don't know. But remember, he says, let us make man in our image. And who is God? Well, He's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and we were created in His image. But, and that's a big but. No, okay, I tried it. I've tried it before; it didn't work. All right, go ahead. Uh, uh, chap- Genesis chapter three. Let's go ahead and get that up. Um, but the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for god knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like god knowing good and evil and when you, when you go back and look at the fall and read all of that you see that it says the serpent was crafty and his goal was to deceive, and what he's really attempting to do is redefine what being like God is. You may feel confused. Well, you're in good company. Our parents, Adam and Eve, were confused. They were, Eve was deceived. Adam was rebellious. And it started this confusion that's been... Pat- We're not the first ones to be confused about this. He tells them that they'll, that to be like God... You still have that up there? I want to see this. To be like God, you need to know good and evil. That's what he tells them. And he makes the assumption by saying to them, If you eat the fruit, you will be like God. He assumes... That they are not like God. Well, he knows they are. But he's making the assumption in his argument so that when they hear it, they make the assumption, I'm not like God. I need to be like God. Why? So I can know good and evil. I want to find out about this evil stuff. But look even closer at the, the last line there, God knowing will be like God, knowing good and evil. What is that saying about God? That God knows evil. Now we know God knows of evil. God knows of everything. God is, he, He's everywhere. He, he's all knowing. But God doesn't know evil. You see what I mean? There's, there's different words, I mean, you, you know, you can use for know. He does not intimately know evil. Because God is not able, the Bible says, to tempt anyone with evil. Nor is he able to be evil. He is not evil. He doesn't know evil. God is good. God is love. Now, he knows of evil. Sure. He's, he's, and he's probably more aware of it than we are. But he's not evil. The devil's really doing something. I mean, he is twisting things around. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You need this to be like God. You're not already like God. He lied to them. But what does God tell us being like God is? What, is, what is? what really is being like God? See, if we understand this, it's going to help us with stewarding our talents. I think it's going to dispel a lot of the fear and the confusion and the... Uh, Misunderstanding, um, and I think it's going to help. It's going to help us be motivated not by obligation and fear, but be motivated by grace. Be motivated by the gospel. Be motivated by who God says we are, not who the serpent says we are, not who the devil says we are, not who the world says we are, not who our sinful nature tells us that we are. Let's see. Um, Let's go back to verse 28 in um, uh, chapter 1 in the first scripture. Let's go back to 28 if we can. It's part of it. It says, And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be like me. Well, he doesn't say that, but that's what God. That's how God defined. Well, now earlier we we read it in in the account of the creation that God, when He created the fish and the birds, and 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 He said, "Go, be fruitful and multiply." He told them to do that too. You say, well, I'm, am I no different from a fish or a bird? Well, actually, you are, because He didn't tell the birds and the fish to uh, subdue the earth and to have dominion over it. He also didn't put the birds and the fish in the garden to work it. See, work was something that was created before the curse. A lot of times we get confused and think that work came after that. Oh, the reason I'm going to work. So we go to work, guys. Like, you know, dragging our feet. I love watching people go in the building at school and then coming out. I don't, because I don't I don't jump out of my car. I'm not one of those people that when they pull up in the parking lot, they're, like, ejected out of their car, like one of those emergency, you know, ejection thing in a plane or whatever, and they, like, run up to the door. I'm, like, (laughs) I pull up, you know. I'm listening to music. I'm uh, I'm reading something, and I, I think about getting out of the car. So I watch people walking up, man, and, oh, I mean, they're just, like, I mean, it's, like, the only reason they're going toward the building is like there's this you know gravitational pull that's pulling they they can't help it you know, and then after school if they have energy, energy left you know then they can, there's kind of a spring in their step, or if the kids have just worn them clean out then they're kind of like this to, you know on the way out so, so guys when you go into work like that a lot of times what we're thinking is, man this is the curse this is what God was talking about by the sweat of my brow. Will the earth produce from... It. And I mean, and that's what... But that actually isn't how, how God created work. Because he put the man in the garden to work. It and then created a suitable helper for him to help him. And so work is a good thing. Now, the curse is real. So don't, don't get me wrong about that. That's a real thing. But work itself is not the curse. Work was affected by the curse. And so a lot of times, we, we're still working... In a curse, like, because we're misunderstanding something about the gospel there. But God said, God says that to be like Him, we're to fr- be fruitful and multiply. And yes, He's talking about uh, children because He says, fill the earth and subdue it. Uh, but he's not, he's not simply talking about children, though, because to be fruitful and to multiply is also to, when you have those children, you're having like little people. And they grow up, and then they do the same thing you did, right? And then they have little people, and those people grow up and do the same. So basically, it's really cool. Think about what God did. He created uh, his creation to create, and then create some more. And then to work the garden, That he didn't mean like they were just going to walk around and just like point at something and it grows. Yet, work means he had to do something, plan things, organize things. Put things together, plant things in a certain way, water them in a certain way, position things over here, and, and collect things over here, and, and build things. We act like the buildings are part of the curse. There's no, there's no biblical grounds for, bel- for believing that. He made us to want it. We want to build things. We like putting things together and making things. I mean, we're created to do that. So some of you in here are people who um, are real organized people. Or like you like um, to, in your closet, everything is in a container. You're one of those people that your socks are with like colors. And they're like either laying flat on top of each other or they're like folded. Not like mine. I'm lucky I have all my socks in one drawer. Instead of the multiple drawers. But they're, they're in one drawer. That's my organization. But some of you are really organized. And you have it labeled socks or whatever, you know. Or you um, your desktop on your computer has all the files in a neat little row labeled in alphabetical order. I don't know. You organize your desktop. You Your car is always clean. These are... Listen, it's easy for a messy guy like me to make fun of that, but I'm just insecure. That's a divine activity to do that. So, if you're a person that likes to label things and organize things, that's a divine activity. That's, that's, that's how God created you to do. That's what he told Adam to do. He's like, hey, go name all the animals. I could have named them for you, Adam, but that's your job. <laughs> you know, name them. Uh, he did the same for Noah, too. He's like, bring them two by two. He didn't just say, go grab a bunch of animals, hurry. He told them exactly how to do it. Um, so if you're one of those people, then, then you know, don't feel weird. You don't feel weird. You think we're the weird ones. I have a lot to learn from people like that. So to make order out of chaos is really to image God. But we didn't do that very well, did we? Adam was guilty of rebelling and uh, pretty much shirking his responsibility as a man, uh, the head of his, of his household and of his marriage, uh, by allowing his wife just to be deceived. And he, she was really deceived. I mean, it was not a small deception. It would be, easy, I mean, easily deceived by, by such a, such twisting of words and such a crafty argument. This is what you need to do to be like God. They, they just thought, well, okay. Okay yeah we'll be right. but so Adam instead of instead of making order of chaos, being responsible, he did not image God in that moment. Eve did uh Eve she was deceived, she forgot who God had said they were, and and so she ate, and then she handed it to her husband who's standing there and they ate. So let's, I want to go back to my question. What displays God's glory the most? And when I was thinking about that, I really did think about nature, um, not including myself, but just the world, because I love to look at the sky in the morning and just see you know, all the different, the way the clouds you know, reflect the light, the dust in the air creates different colors and, and things like that. But really, according to Genesis, the thing that, repl- that, that displays God's glory the most is us human beings we do, and we were designed to do that, but Adam believed serp- the serpent's lies uh, and and really adam and eve and Adam and Eve did, and they be- they really became that that fox on a chair, and they were out of place there they were in god 's presence in the garden, but they they didn't image God, and so they were out of place. They were in, they were in the wrong. They they were like that fox standing on a chair now. So of course they get expelled from the garden, and then we get the curses and all of that, and it starts looking really pretty grim at that point. So that's that's what that's what happens when you're that when you're walking the work, and you're like, oh, by the sweat of my brow, or when you are. Or you're a wife and you're like, I want my husband to lead, I know that, but, but I hate it because I want to be in charge and, I, and you and you, want to have, you want to take his place or you resent that. Or, or if you're a husband and you're like, I know that I need to lay my life down for my uh, wife uh, as Christ did for the church, but I just don't want, want to do it. I don't want to. Okay? That's that fallenness. That's that sin in us. And that is what really gets in the way the most when we're thinking about how can I be a steward of my talents, how can I be a faithful steward and manager of the, of the abilities that God has given me and the things that I can do? Now, for today's purposes, I'm not really talking about spiritual gifts, even though you can extend this uh, teaching, you can go deep into that, we would need a lot more time. What I'm really talking about this, this morning are things that we know we can do. I know that I can do this. Uh, I may not be doing it. Or maybe I don't know what I can do. You might be at that point. Now, the cool thing is um, we image God, yes, um, but we image him in different ways. So like um, Wes, Wes when, when Wes is imaging God and he's being an image bearer, He really still looks different from from what I look like. That doesn't mean I'm not imaging God. It doesn't mean Wes isn't, but we look different. Because really, uh, none of us is Jesus. I'm sure you're aware of that, right? The Bible says that Jesus was the perfect image of the invisible God. The perfect image of the invisible God. That was Jesus. That is Jesus. That's that is the perfect bearer of God's image. So, uh, what did what did Jesus do? Well, he made order out of chaos, didn't he? I mean, we were in a big mess, and he made order out of chaos. He actually, he went right into the mess. He didn't just stand back and, and point his finger and tell the angels to do stuff. He, like, went right into it all the way to the cross, experienced our death. Made something good out of the worst thing ever. I mean, the worst mess, the worst chaos that there, that, that there ever was. He made something out of it that was good. And being the perfect image of God, when God is looking at us through, through Christ, because when, when, we, when, when, we, when we're in Christ, that means that, that God's looking at us through His Son. Then He sees that image. He sees us the way that we were created to reflect Him, to reflect His glory. To be the thing in the earth that most displays His glory. And so because of that, we can actually be fruitful and multiply. Otherwise, we had no real ability to be fruitful and multiply. I mean, yeah, we could have kids, create more sinners. But because of what, of of the order that that God brought, and God proved that he was in control in the first place by bringing Jesus, uh, raising him from the dead, I mean, that's the ultimate order to chaos, isn't it? Because of that, then we can be fruitful and multiply. We can image him. We can reflect and display his glory. So just for uh, about, I don't know, five or ten minutes, uh, I just want to get kind of real practical here because I'm not just talking about this in a conceptual way. This is a real timely thing for us as a church. Um, we, we're at a point where we're growing uh, by God's grace. We need... Um, we need to understand as a church what it is to really steward our talents. So, um, maybe you are one of those uh, people that really says, "Yeah, I, I identify with what you're saying. I, tr- I truly do feel like I'm that fox standing in a chair. It doesn't feel right." Um. I don't know. I'm a singer. I'm the I'm the silent singer, I'm trying to be poetic here. The silent singer, a singer with no. Audience, okay. Um, I'm the teacher uh, with no students. I mean, this is who I am, but I, I, I'm, I'm out of place. Some of you have the spiritual gift of helping. Look it up; it's in there. That's a spiritual gift. Helping. Isn't that awesome? So these people are like, "Well, what's that? Just a guy who helps?" Yeah, no, it's someone who really helps. Okay. Um, I try to help sometimes, and I end up not helping. Ask David when I'm setting up this with him. He's like, it's not easy. Organizers. These are people like some people uh, who are helpers are people who are just good at organizing. I mentioned you earlier, these are people who know how to find a place for everything. I mean, these are the people that when they help you move, they know how to load your truck. It's like they're playing Tetris with your boxes. No square inch is left empty. They know how to organize things, how to. They're that kind of person. They know how to label things. They know how to. They have forethought. Uh, they're people that just know how to make things work, you know, logistically. Uh, well, if we're going to try this, we're going to need one of these. Well, what's one of those? Well. Let me show you. You know, legit. they understand how to, how to, and maybe how things might work better. How things might become more efficient. These are these are people who have, uh, you know, maybe have a spiritual gift of, of helping. But even if, if if you don't know if it's a spiritual gift, uh, you may just be it may be a, a natural ability you have, and it's helpful. Um, they Whoa. they think of things that um, you forget. Now, these are people that really help me because I forget a lot of things. So people who help me, like like Rick remembered to push record on a computer back there. And so now we're going to have the sermon uh, so uh, recorded. Otherwise, it would not be because I would have forgotten. So they remember things like that. They notice things that other people don't notice. And and then we have leaders in here who, who uh, they're, they're leaders with no lead. Ugh. You get what I'm saying? It had to soak in a little bit. Or not. Uh, these are people that mobilize people. Like, they, they know how to get people to do things. They, you know, over here and over here. And and they motivate people. And, 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 they, and they communicate with people oh, well. You know, leaders. People like that. Um, and, then, and then there are all kinds of, of people I haven't even mentioned. And, and you're thinking to yourself, well, that's me. But I, I just don't know what to do with it. I, I don't have... Um, i 'm out of place I feel out of place well um, now this we 're starting this kind of sort of this uh, this is what i 'm teaching you this morning is not you know by any means comprehensive it 's just something that we need to start here in our in our body and and actually if you're if you 're new and a visitor here this morning. Then um, I'm not like putting pressure on you or anything. This still applies to you because God, He wants to place you in a local body somewhere. If it's if it's us, great. We we love that. Uh, if it's not though, He still wants you to experience this, to experience imaging God's, uh, imaging God by by working the garden by by being fruitful and multiplying, uh, by using your talents by by getting the joy of being. Uh, Faithful uh, and not through obligation, because we 're not working for our grace we 're working from our grace, God is working through us by His grace, so we don 't even have to have that guilty fear anymore so um, because this is a practical thing, I want to uh, ask that if you um, if you're, if you 're here this morning and you've and, and this is kind of made you think of things you haven't thought of before and it's kind of sparked um, you know, a desire to, to at least find out how you could serve or help or, or contribute um, to either our Sunday morning gathering that we have right here um, or um, it, there are lots of ways to serve in our missional communities that we have throughout the week. Then I really would like you to write it down on one of our cards and just write what, what you think it is, or if you don 't know just say i don 't know, I need coaching, I need help, I need counsel. Just write that um, and we 're going to pass our buckets around, and if you 're a visitor, put this in there, or if you, if you filled one of these out, just drop it in that that silver bucket we 're going to have going around and and we'll we 'll work work through it with you i mean you don 't have to know anything, but this may have actually um, started something in your heart just kind of stirring around I mean um, that's been dormant and I will tell you just personally as I close I'm about to pray but as I close that this is something that I have been grappling with myself just personally uh, so it's not just something I just thought well, I'm going to talk about stewarding their talents so some people get off their butts and do something. that's not at all it we've had we've been so blessed with people lately who are leading and they've never led before. People serving and they just didn't, didn't have a place to serve before and they're just doing it so faithfully. And 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 musicians just coming out, like coming up and, and, and just just fitting right into the worship team saying, I want to serve here. And, and, and all of this stuff that's set up on Sunday morning, it doesn't set up itself. I mean, it takes a lot of work to do that. And people are here just doing it. And a couple years ago, it was like, there were three people doing all of it. I mean, it was, it, it hasn't always, I mean, we've been blessed. So, but I've also personally been just re- wrestling with this. Because I feel like there are some places in my life where I've kind of hit a wall. And I really am, and my prayer to God is, Lord, I want to image you. And I want to be faithful. And I know you're wiser than I am. Please show me. How can I serve? How can I lead? How can I be fruitful and multiply how can I work the ground how can I do this in your kingdom and it's really the the when you do that it's a gospel activity you may not be evangelizing at that moment but when you are serving and working the ground in God's kingdom it is a gospel activity because what I just described to you that's the gospel We got mixed up in our identity. God showed us who we are again, and now we image him, gospel, all because of Jesus.